This episode of the Midday Madness Sports Podcast is brought to you by Alpine Unlimited Company. Their mission is to provide high-quality, comfortable, and stylish clothing for a community of people who love nature and enjoy spending their time in the great outdoors. You can check out their designs at alpineunlimitedcompany.com, and if you use code ERIC10, you can receive 10% off your entire order. Again, that is alpineunlimitedcompany.com, and use code ERIC10 to receive 10% off. Testing, 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 do you read? We inhale! It's time for the Midday Madness Sports Podcast. And welcome back to another episode of the Midday Madness Sports Podcast. Man, I feel like I just said that last night. Interesting. Anyways, now instead of our uh, guest that I had last night, we have Noah Pegler. You're back. Where have you been, man? I've been, you know, working and all that and just doing everything else. Got to see some family over the weekend. They were all doing well. So it was very good. How about you, Eric? I'm great. Work has been good and, you know, just kind of relaxing, working, you know, got some uh, family activities this week. Actually, I have for the next four weekends, four or five weekends, I have something I have to do. So I'm going to be busy the next like month. Yeah. Uh, We got like family cleanings. We got family picnics. We got baby showers. We got yeah. Uh, concerts to go to. It's, it's going to be crazy. Yeah, so you're booked on the weekend for pretty much up until almost September. Yeah, basically. Yep. Yeah. Uh, which is perfect for when uh, football comes back. <laughs> exactly. And then I can just be like, all right, I don't want to do anything else. I just want to <laughs> watch Derek, baby Derek, and watch the football and then watch the postseason. See, it's perfect. It's all working out. <laughs> My wife is cracking up laughing on the couch over there. <laughs> Uh, so in this episode, we have another scapegoat bites the dust. Toronto Blue Jays fire manager, Charlie Montoya, amid recent struggles. So we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, sources say, according to ESPN, Utah Jazz now willing to listen to Donovan Mitchell trade scenarios. Interesting. And why Durant and Irving trade won't work. Well, I'll give you a reason. Well, Noah, maybe we'll give you a reason why it would work. And why high school won't end with this feeling because Kevin Durant does not just wants to keep playing the field. Because he's earned it. He's done enough. And we'll get into that. And also, there's this absurd trade uh, that Yahoo Sports has done. I can't remember who actually wrote this. Uh, It is Christian Winfield of the New York Daily News. He wrote this absurd four-team trade scenario that would send Donovan Mitchell to the Nets. But first, let's recap this weekend. And uh, we had a bet, I believe. I don't know what the bet actually was. I think I just think we had a... uh, a reasonable band witty banter between us uh, about the Red Sox and Yankees series. That was this past weekend. And uh, again, we're going to have another one this weekend. So we can have another bet, but Noah said the Red Sox were going to take three out of four, three out of four. Eric me said it was going to be a split. And what do you know? It was a split right down the middle. The Yankees take the first, the Red Sox come back. Whoa. And then the Red Sox use the umpire's help in game four to win that game and even get the uh, Aaron Booney out of the game because, you know, that strike zone was like this or like this. Yeah, that was ridiculous. But I'm not surprised because, you know what? It's the time where the Red Sox are just their annoying selves. 
they're on a streak. They're in a they're in a good division run or a good winning streak. Although they probably lost, so it's okay. And they're in an annoying part of their season where, you know, guys are healthy. They're getting guys back. And it's the same Red Sox story that I've seen over and over again. And I don't even want to call them an underdog anymore. You guys are no longer an underdog. You are about the same level as the New York Yankees. How does that make you feel, Noah? Well, for right now, I'll believe it when I see it. Because right now, the the one thing I want to mention with uh, the the prediction I made last week, mm-hmm. I did not notice the whole thing with our pitchers. Like, you know, the fact that we had almost every guy from Wooster up as, you know, it, we have no starting pitchers. We have no Chris Sale. He just, he just came back literally just about yesterday yep. officially. And then Rich Hill is out. James Paxton, Paxton is out. Nathan Avaldi is out. And then I believe Michael Waka, another guy who's supposed to be in the starting five, was not ready to go. And then so we had guys like Winkowski and Seabold starting on the weekend. And then even Cutter Crawford, a guy who's normally out of the bullpen, ended up getting the start on uh, Saturday against mm-hmm. the Yankees. And then just looking at this also, Kike Hernandez is hurt. And then right now we're hoping Devers is okay because apparently he hurt his back on Friday in that game against the Yankees. And that ended up forcing uh, us to call up Jeter Downs, our young prospect up from Wooster. And so oh, now stop, stop. we're just having to at least make sure we can hold on to the pieces we got and everything we can. But each game was ridiculous. I mean, you look at it. Game one Thursday. I mean, it came down to a Franchi Cordero misplay in the infield where he overcommitted on a pop fly. And that was the uh, game winning run. That was the big difference. And Winkowski ended up doing pretty solid considering most of the runs just came in one inning. Then you look at the next night, the Yankees jumped out to another big lead. And then, of course, Christian Arroyo, you know, lost complete focus. He's like, I can't see the ball. I can't see the ball. (laughs) It's one thing to like, you know, um, just have it go like right past you. But this was clearly like almost 50 feet, like well behind you. It was just awful. You can't even say he lost in the lights because that was so far behind him. I mean, that's just complete unawareness of what's going on. And then on Saturday, I mean, the Red Sox were able to come back in that game and then were able to stave off the fact that the Yankees jumped out early in extra innings. They took the lead with Aaron Judge on a base hit. And then I believe Stanton continued the work. And then eventually Boston was able to supply the runs. And then, of course, yes, a guy named Jeter scoring runs against the Yankees. Ended up being the difference in the walk-off victory. And then you look at another night on Sunday, a six to a six to two lead going into like the next half of the game. And then the Red Sox come back thanks to a JD Martinez two-run bomb. And then you mentioned, yes, the strike zone. There were some mistakes. There there was no mistakes. That was just a bad strike zone. Yeah, and Boone ended up getting tossed on the very last game, and then the Red Sox were able to finish it off, at least at Fenway. The interesting thing about this is that you could almost market this as, like, of course, an ALCS preview, at least just because the fact that you have game. I'm not saying it's going to be the preview, but I'm just saying the fact that you have the game total since, you know, you had four that last week and then you had three this upcoming weekend. And you could count it as a seven game series. I'm just saying. And so yeah. the, the Red Sox, because there was four at Fenway and then now you'll have three in the Bronx to close it out before All-Star weekend. And I mean, 
I, I would love to, you know, say that my Red Sox are going to the World Series. Like, you know, I'm some prideful Cowboy fan thinking that it's going to happen this year. <laughs> it's but our th- year, baby! <laughs> but I, I just want to see my guys stay healthy, especially that pitching rotation. And knowing that this is the toughest division right now in the MLB. Everyone's at 500. Even Baltimore, a team yeah. in last place is when playing so good they've won like over nine games in a row it was amazing and yet here we are nobody is safe in this division i mean the yankees are for now because of course they're like 12 or 13 games ahead but pretty much everyone's second place and below it's like free for all down there well the other thing so i'll get to a few things uh i gotta figure out where to start because the reason why i think one of the why the red sox won Judge was like one, two for 11 or two for 12. And he was dealing with a sore calf because there was something that happened in Pittsburgh. He was out Thursday night and then he went like over four Friday night over like whatever it took to the 10th inning for him to actually get his first base hit in the last like three games, or whatever. So that was a little alarming for the Yankees. Also the fact that they were up six, three going to the sixth inning, and that in the last game, that's when it's like, okay, seriously, why? Like that strike zone Sunday night, like even you have to admit, when you watched it on ESPN, those strikes in the sixth inning were what those were low. And then the one was like way up here. Yeah, strike. <laughs> what? And it looked like Boone was keeping track. Like there were six of them, six blown calls. Yeah, I mean, you could almost argue the entire weekend because even watching it on Saturday, there were some calls where it's like, okay, was that a strike? And then thinking that, you know, it was a problem. And then and some of them were borderline. Some of them were close. So, like, some of the low ones, okay, depends on where the catcher catches it. Did it hit the strike zone? That I'll give. Uh, but, like, some of those, the John Carlos Stan at last at bat that Aaron Boone got uh, thrown out for was like, what? What? What are you watching? Are you watching the ball come from left field or something? I don't I don't get it. But here's the reason why I think the Red Sox are no longer an underdog. You've won four World Series in the last 20 years. The Yankees won five in the last six years. Well, not six years, uh, last 25 years. So the reason why World Series championships, they matter. Even though right now, this team... This team can get dangerous. You can get Kike Hernandez back. And when he comes back, that bat that he has, I I really did enjoy watching him when he was in the Dodgers. I really wish the Yankees got him, but I understand why we don't need him. But, man, they got – you guys are no longer the underdogs, no longer that underdog mentality. You guys have won. You guys have been here before. You guys have hosted World Series before. You guys have done all these things. There's no way that you're an underdog anymore. You guys are on the level as the Dodgers, as the Yankees. Look at your payroll. You spent almost $280 million, whatever it is. You guys have one of the top five highest payrolls. And you guys have won more World Series than the Yankees have in the last 10 years, the last 12 years. We won one, and that was back in 09. Like, the Yankees and Red Sox are about even now. And this series just proved it. That, yes, the past is still the past. The Yankees have a 27 World Series. You guys got nine, you, or eight or nine, right? Somewhere around there. I don't even keep track of you guys anymore. It's, it's, yeah, right. yeah, it's around nine, I believe. Okay. So, you guys are there. And I don't, I don't ever want to hear and 
a Red Sox fan to say, oh, we're the underdogs. You could take that mentality, but like the Patriots, you guys aren't the you guys aren't a uh, an underdog. Just like the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't care what anyone says. They're not an underdog either. The Red Sox are now on that gap where they have established themselves. And this has taken the last 20 years for them to get to this point. Now, four championships, that's a great run. 2004, 08, 2013, 2018. That's a great run. I'll take that. If I was a Red Sox fan, yeah, we're not an underdog. F that. Brought out a lot of bad for the Red Sox and Yankees with the starting pitching. The starting pitching with – Obviously, some guys not being able to hit, but you guys have a Christian Arroyo. You guys have a lot of home run ball like the Yankees do, unfortunately. Um, and I think with the Yankees, it brought up a lot of, oh, here we go again. John Carlos Stanton's going away. Isn't really hitting. Aaron Judge or Josh Donaldson. The defense was good, but this this series brought up a lot of questions for me as a Yankee fan. Like, if they're really going to do this, they need another starting pitcher. The Luis Castillo guy from Cincinnati Reds, Yankees, whose name has been floating around for the last two or three years with the Yankees, or just even in trade deadline in general. That's someone that I would look for any team that's going to contend. That could be the number one ace or a good number two starter on your staff. The bullpen for the Yankees, it's still slowly coming back. And, of course, watching Chapman come in, a late, not even in late in the game, but that should have never happened. Once you let up that one run. Now, I know it's been a while since he's been back and he needs to get some reps in. But after that first run scored, hey, uh, let's get him out. Like this. Nope, we're done. We tried. He can't pitch in Fenway. He just can't. It, it still brings me back to the, what the 2017 season when it or was it the 2015? One of these two seasons where we had a huge lead. No, this is about Dylan Batances I'm thinking of, but we had a huge lead. And then obviously the Hanley Ramirez three run homer wins it for you guys. This is around the same time in which I hate the Red Sox. It just reminds me of all the hate that I have for you. Yep, that's the big part of the rivalry oh. and the underdog label. Yes, I mean we're not the lovable losers or even the lovable people anymore. Because You're the little giants. Because people don't like the fact that Boston's been on top, you know, for like the last twenty years in almost all sports competitions. I mean, I mostly blame the Patriots because let's face it, everyone does not like Tom Brady because again, the Celtics have only made the finals three times in the last twenty years, despite the fact yeah. that they have. All those NBA titles, and then even the Boston Bruins from the past, anyways. Yeah, and then the Boston Bruins themselves. I mean, they've made the cup three times, but they've only won it once. And then, I mean, the Red Sox. You mentioned it. It's only been four times, but yeah, it's just because you know Tom Brady made the Super Bowl like nine times with the New England Patriots, and everyone was like, "Come on, we are tired of seeing the New England Patriots playing the biggest game of the year." And now the for this rivalry between the Yankees and Red Sox, it it has its up and down moments. Obviously, the big spark was, of course, 2003-2004 when they collided in the playoffs and in the ALCS. And then everyone remembers the whole Don Zimmer incident with Pedro Martinez. He threw sure. him to the ground. And then even uh, the next year when uh, you had the whole moment with A-Rod and uh, – he was walking down the first baseline and Veritek is like, here, yeah, kiss my glove right here. Yeah. And <laughs> that started a whole fight. I mean, it, those were the glory days of the Red Sox Yankees rivalry. Some people argued that it sort of died down. Like in 2015, of course, you know, the players were getting older. There wasn't much of a, a fight between the two of them. And, uh, the fact that there's new names, new players. And then you see in 2018, we met in the playoffs again. And that was at least, uh, you know, 
the, Domination. One, the it, it was the first time I think we met in the playoffs since that 2004 series. Yep. And then we met last year in the wild card. And then <sighs> the Red Sox won the won that game. And then, yeah, we're, you, you say that in a sense. We're not the underdog where it's like the Yankees won't win handily. Yes, I get that. But yet at the same time, you still have the top talent in league. And the fact is, it's like you can't, you almost have to like narrowly narrow down history to find losing seasons of the New York Yankees because there are barely any, (laughs) it's like, like you can't think of almost bad moments in Yankee history with the fact where it's like, you were like awful. Like, I mean, this is the driest run of no world series championships. You guys have had probably in team history. And that's just, I I think that's true. It's just crazy with the think about. And then, it, but that's why you look at it. Red Sox, Yankees rivalry and competition is always good. And then, I mean, it's at least for the Red Sox as well, because a few years ago, the Yankees in like 2019, they, they dominated the Red Sox. The Red Sox couldn't do anything to stop them, especially when we went to, to England. It was ridiculous. Yeah, that was a fun series to watch. <laughs> I was hoping a little better knowing that I'm from England. <laughs> Yeah. They're not from. I have family from England. I mean, yeah. uh, so do I. Um, yeah, actually, the 2018 year, I remember going uh, July 1st. It was a Sunday night baseball game. It was when Hicks hit three home runs in one game uh-huh. against you guys. That was a great game. Being in the bleacher creatures for that game, that I will never forget. That was one of my favorite games I've ever been to. And it was actually my first Red Sox Yankees game, too. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but like, it's just. If you had lost against, I think if you had lost against the Rockies, that would make me happier. If you would like, who cares about a four? Whatever you guys deserved it. But in 07, I think the the Rockies deserved it more than you guys did. Give it to Helton. Give it to Matt Holiday, who was young and still playing as good as possible. Give it to. Or even if you lost to the 2018 Dodgers, even though they really should not have been in that World Series, anyways. But like. Even if you had lost one of these, I think it'd be like, you know what? I got to see the Red Sox lose. Just because you made it to the World Series doesn't mean you win it. And it seems like every time you make it to the World Series, you win it. And that's what even fuels the hatred for you guys even more. At least not you guys, your team more in general. Yeah. I mean, it's because we defeated the Cardinals twice. I mean, definitely crushing the Rockies' hopes and dreams. I know one guy that I'm a, that's a, one of my friends from high school uh, is a Rockies fan, and he specifically does not like the Red Sox for that reason alone. Just Good. because they, I don't be- blame him. <laughs> and then we we ended up having to make the Dodger fans wait a little longer, having to wait until 2020 to finally get that World Series down in Texas after they defeated the Tampa Bay Rays. COVID year, which if you also have to think about, and someone I can't remember who it was. Oh, Dave Roberts of the Dodgers actually said that the American League East is not as competitive as NL West. So think about this. Yeah. And I laugh at that too, because think about the teams that have actually won the American league East, the, the or the blue Jays have won it. The Orioles have won it. The Rays have won it. The Yankees and the Red Sox, at least in the last 20 years and scratch that the last 15 years, every team in that division has won it at least once or twice. And for you look at the NL West, it is the Dodgers, and the Giants. That's it. Padres have never, I don't Pretty think much, yeah. the Padres have escaped and sneaked in as a wild card team. And I think they won the NL West 
back in 06 when the Cardinals ended up winning the World Series because I remember somehow they made it in. Uh, but it has been mainly Dodgers, Giants, Dodgers, Giants, Giants, Dodgers. That's it. You can't say that the American League East is not competitive because every team from that division has won the division at least once or twice in the last 15 years. How dare you say that that the American League East is not competitive? It is one of the most competitive uh, divisions. It's better than the NL West. It's better than the AL West. I mean, it's the Astros and the Rangers normally that play. Who knows? The Oakland A's have at least have had a better chance. It's better than the Central because the Twins and White Sox have normally owned that one. Or the Tigers. Crazy. Why yeah. would you say that? Yeah, to look at... Yeah, to, to look at uh, the NL West, I mean, I looked it up, and, I mean, you got to go back to around uh, 19 – in the mid-90s, of course, there was some restructure within yeah. the divisions, but then you look at it. I mean, the the Dodgers won in, won in the years like 95 and 2004, and then they've won from 2013 all the way to 2020. Mm-hmm. And then other than that, the Diamondbacks won it at least only four times, and the Padres, they've won it – I mean, about four times, but the last time they they did that was in 2006. And the last time the Diamondbacks even won that division was 2011. And yeah. the Rockies, yeah. they don't even show up on this list because they haven't been consistently good enough to get that division. And the fact that the there is more parity within the American League East, and even I, I think in the fact where – there, there have been smart roster moves by each team. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, you look at it, Baltimore actually has been very good with developing talent, and that's yeah. why they've been able to get to those those points in the postseason. And then Tampa Bay, they take a while. They build it through trades, if you notice. They build a yeah. lot through yeah. trading and prospects from other teams. When you know they got rid of Chris Archer, that ended up being a big reason why they were able to get keep players to build for that 2020 World Series run. And then the Blue Jays, I mean, I think this is the best team that they've actually developed from within the system, considering you got guys like Bo Bichette and uh, Kevin Biggio and uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. And then the fact that you also have to include, I mean, the Yankees and Red Sox, two teams that are fairly balanced in how they've been able to build their teams over the years. But then you compare it to how the West is. I mean, the Dodgers, they... They develop talent, but then also they have been able to take on the big budgets of even top quality players. That's why they've been able to at least stay afloat during that time. The Giants, a lot of it is smart management by the San Francisco Giants. I mean, it's kind of uh, crazy how they were able to put together those uh, World Series runs in 2010, 2012, and 2014. And then as for the Rockies, I mean, they they just (laughs) – I I don't know what they're doing out there. I mean, the fact that – They don't know either. There's everyone's scratching their heads about the fact, you know, that Nolan Arenado trade where, okay, here, take him St. Louis, and then we'll add more money just for you to take him. I mean, that's just ridiculous. And then Arizona, I don't think anyone really wants to be out there because <laughs> I, the fact that the, that's the, the just owner apparently wants to. 
Bumgarner wants to be out there, but I really don't know why he left San Francisco. That city made him in San Francisco. And then San Diego, San Diego's trying to acquire players. That's that's the one thing I've seen. I mean, they're trying to buy all these guys like Hosmer and Manny Machado, and then they got Blake Snell and you Darvish along the way. And then you're trying to tell us that, you know, Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to be the next great legend at shortstop, but yet he hasn't even played a single game this year. And he can't stay healthy either. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of my uh, – I have two possible questions. I'm trying to think of one that's going to stump pegs. Um, but if you look at the NOS, so since 05, it's been Padres Padres, which is actually quite shocking, honestly. I, but it's also when they had uh, – oh, who was the great Hoffman as their closer? So that kind of makes sense. In 05. And then it was the Dodgers, or then it was the Diamondbacks in 07, even though they lost to the Rockies in the NLCS. Then it's Dodgers, Dodgers, Giants, Diamondbacks randomly in 11, Giants. Then from 2013 to 2020, it has only been the Dodgers. Seven yeah. straight seasons. But you look at the AL East in that, in that mark. I mean, in the, the East, it's been... Yankees, Red Sox, Yankees, Red Sox. And then all of a sudden it is the Blue Jays. It's the Rays. It's like, it's so many different teams throughout the last, throughout 20, since 2005. Yeah. The fact that it has the different teams and how the Dodgers, that they've been able to at least survive I mean, somewhat would say bankruptcy. They had to, I believe, get some uh, more money because they were in some financial ruin, I think, within the, like the last 20 years or so because yeah. that was not the same Dodgers that, you know, is the quality team today and, you know, gets to host the All-Star game coming up next week. So yep. that's going to be a big thing for the stadium. And then I know, um, just a side note for them, I believe – some of the employees were considering going on strike because of, you know, what they're getting paid out there is around 1500 employees. So definitely a big deal. And we'll see if they get it done. I mean, they're planning to do a strike at any time. And yet yeah. it comes one week before, you know, uh, one of the biggest events going on in Los Angeles. Yes. Yeah, so you look at Oh five Yankees, Yankees, Red Sox, Rays, Yankees, Rays, Yankees, Yankees, Red Sox, Orioles, Blue Jays. So right there, from 2012 to 2015, you have the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Orioles, and the Blue Jays win the division right then and there. And actually, if you yeah. think about it, 2010 to 2015, this is what it was. Rays, Yankees twice, Red Sox, Orioles, Blue Jays. Yeah. And then you have the Red Sox three times, the Yankees, and the Rays. But mm-hmm. it's okay. The NOS is a much better team, much better uh, comp- or league to be in. Okay. Yeah, he's taking the whole, you know, Nick Saban approach where he's like, uh, hey, anyone can beat us. And even when we're playing against, you know, lowly Vanderbilt, which actually I believe Alabama does play against uh, Vanderbilt uh, this year in football. (laughs) Probably. So my stump pegs question. uh, I have it right here. Give me one second. All right. So and this is I don't even know if you're going to get this. This is going to be hilarious. Babe Ruth acquired his 700th home run in baseball by paying the fan who caught it. How much do you think Babe Ruth paid this fan to get the 700th home run ball back? 
How much do you think he spent? Well, you got to think. It's How Babe about Ruth. this? And I will give you four. I'll give you four right now. Four options. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna. I'll give you multiple choice. Okay. So yeah, I was gonna say this is a, this is a number game. <laughs> yes. Um. And here we go. All right. So I have my four numbers. You ready? Okay. Did he spend ten dollars, twenty dollars, fifteen dollars, or seventeen? And no, you cannot call. You cannot phone a friend. But I will. I will at least, if you want, I can do fifty fifty. We'll do uh, right. the millionaire game rules here. <laughs> All right. So um, let's see. You said $10, $15, $17. And what was the other option? 20 Okay. So $20. Um, yep. All right. And again, you have to think about the time period it was, too. No, I know. Yeah, I was I was going to guess low anyway, considering it is around like the 1930s and like almost 1940s. And so now thinking about this, I would have to say uh, I'm going to say 17. 17. Is that your final answer? Final answer. Dun, dun, dun. You are wrong. Yay. We oh. stumped him again. $20. Yes. Uh, okay. And now look at that. Five. We have reached five. Yeah. Since June 8th, which has actually been a month, just over yeah. a month, we've been doing this. I have stumped you five times. Yes. You have not gotten me. Yes. I feel accomplished. But yeah, 20 bucks. I mean, you think now, what did uh, Jeter have to give to give his to get his 3,000 hit? <laughs> Do you remember yeah. that? <laughs> I mean... I can't remember. I mean, I almost, I'm also thinking of, remember when A-Rod got that hit and then the guy uh, (laughs) who didn't want to give the ball back. I think he became like that famous YouTuber who, you know, goes on like all those trips. Yeah. And actually, so ironically, a friend of mine, his, uh, someone that he like knew, he actually knew the guy that called the 3000 hit from Jeter, the uh, home run, Mr. Lopez. Yeah, oh, really? he's from cool. uh, New York. Yeah, he said it was like one of the craziest moments he's ever yeah, seen. Yeah, I still remember uh, when. Okay. Yeah, I still remember uh, watching that on TV. Jeter's home run. It was against the Rays. Yep. And I mean, David Price. even uh, Wade yep. Bo- Wade Boggs. I mean, even like uh, Wade Boggs hit a home run uh, for his three thousandth hit. So I mean that that was at least cool, you know, to be part of that history as uh, being a, one of the few players to hit a home run for his 3,000th. I mean, I still remember uh, just, uh, I believe, yeah, Michael Kay, the call on what he had uh, with Derek Jeter, one of his top moments of uh, his career. As, yeah. uh, I mean, for the New York Yankees. Which, by the way, speaking of Derek Jeter, I can't wait till his uh, documentary comes out next week. The seven-part series. Oh, yeah, that's the call. Yeah, the captain. I saw that on ESPN. It's seven parts, you said, right? Yeah. Did you also see that they had the big billboard outside of Fenway Park advertising for it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, what was it? Uh, the, the, I believe it was the Sunday night baseball guys were saying, you think a lot of uh, Red Sox fans would watch that? I mean, <laughs> they, they were they respect Jeter. We respect oh, yeah. Jeter more, more, 10 times more than we will ever respect A-Rod. That's oh, just yeah. true facts. Because Jeter deserves a lot of that respect. And then 
that's why uh, it's certainly going to be good to see how that works. And ESPN, of course, coming out with these uh, great like docu series and even stories. I mean, I love I liked Man in the Arena, and now it's yeah. going to be good to see the captain <laughs> and the Last Dance. That was another good one for uh, Michael Jordan. Yeah, I know. I need to go back and rewatch that. Oh, it's so good. By the way, this uh, episode is brought to you by uh, Alpine and Limited Company. Their mission is to provide high quality, comfortable and stylish clothing for a community of people who love nature and enjoy spending their time in the great outdoors. You can check out their designs at alpineandlimitedco.com. And if you use code ERIC10, you can receive 10% off your entire order. Again, that is alpineandlimitedco.com and use code ERIC10 to receive 10% off. Uh, so we're talking, it's Eric Miller, Noah Pegler. This is, I don't even remember what episode we're on. This is like 29 or something like that. We're, we're near 29 or 30 by now. We're, we're <laughs> close to 30. I haven't actually given, been keeping track. Uh, we were just recapping the Red Sox and the Yankees uh, weekend. How much the Red Sox annoy the crap out of me. Uh, but speaking of other baseball news, Toronto Blue Jays, uh, Another scapegoat bites the dust is how I kind of reworded it. Toronto Blue Jays fired their manager, Charlie Montoya, amid recent struggles. Uh, They promoted their bench coach, John Snyder, to interim manager for the remainder of the season. Montoya went 236 and 236 in parts of four seasons. It's also including the the career, the weird, strange COVID-19 season where Toronto played its 2020 home schedule at its AAA stadium in Buffalo, New York. the Blue Jays are three and nine in July, and they went one and six on a road trip against Oakland, which has the worst record in the majors. And Seattle that ended Sunday with a four-game sweep against the Mariners. Montoyo, if you remember, uh, replaced John Gibbons as Blue Jays manager after the 2018 season. Montoyo's contract was extended through 2023 on April 1st, playing home games in three cities in the last se- in the last season, including two minor league parks. He's had a very difficult four years and it's not like any it's not like Boone where Boone has been in the race the last four years uh he's at least had title contending teams Montoya unfortunately inherited a team that you lost Jose Batista you didn't really have uh I don't even know Edwin and Carnelson anymore you didn't have the guys from old so you're trying to start new and adapt through COVID standings with going to their triple A team, trying to have this new team, which this actually the last two years, the blue Jays have been in talks of possibly making it to the postseason, possibly going to the world series, maybe with the acquisition of George Springer, which with uh Ryu, uh, are you the guy from um, the Dodgers Ryu Jin or whatever his last, his name is, um, they got Jose Barrios, I believe, as well. So this isn't just because it's a bad run doesn't mean that's going to be their season. It kind of reminds me of uh, who we saw, Joe Madden, and um, the the other coach that was just – oh, Joe Girardi this season that was just let go too early. Yeah, for the Toronto Blue Jays, this – is a tough decision and looking at what they got to do in order to stay in the wild card race. And the last month or so was not pretty. I mean, you have to go looking back in June. I mean, just how they played against some of these teams. Mm. I mean, in Baltimore during mid season, losing a two game series, then you struggle against the Yankees. Then after that, you lose two out of three to 
uh, the White Sox, followed by a two out of three loss to the Brewers. Then you entered a month of July going into that series against Tampa Bay. You end up losing some games there and losing about five out of or three out of five in that series. And then you mentioned that road trip with Seattle and uh, Oakland. It was not pretty at all. And because of that, the Blue Jays could end up in last place in the division. They made the hard decision to, you know, fire him right before the all-star break. You'd have had one more week. And now the guys have to adjust to a new voice. And even with Toronto, knowing that it, it was not good enough to compete with the likes of these other rival teams that are trying to catch up to you. I mean, it's where you also got to look at where the runs were. I mean, offensively, I mean, the fact that in that series against Oakland, they only put up roughly around six or seven runs. It was just not very good there. And then in Mm -hmm. Seattle, just how they played. I mean, they lost eight to three, five to two, two to one and five to six. I mean, you had to, combine the scores of almost the first three games just to add up to what they got on that Sunday on July 10th. And it's just not been pretty for what the Blue Jays are trying to get through into the postseason. And they know that if they can't beat the likes of Boston and Tampa Bay, you'll you'll want some of these other guys out um, of the team. And right now, the fact that like I'm saying that these players may want to move on from the likes of Toronto, Canada, because unfortunately we've seen this before where you mentioned those guys Encarnacion and some other key players included Troy Tulowitzki, who was in the later stages of his career. Josh yep. Donaldson was, yep. uh, you know, got to remember the prime MVP for the blue Jays. And then I still, I still remember Bautista with his bat flip oh, against man. the Texas Rangers, which was one of the most amazing postseason moments I've ever seen. Such in a great moment in sports. And now they're taking on the Philly, the Phillies tonight. And then you look at what lies ahead. They got a tough series against Boston and the St. Louis Cardinals to try and wrap up the month. I believe they still got some games against the Yankees left. They still have to play Tampa Bay and Baltimore twice. And then they got to face the Red Sox and Yankees in late August and the blue Jays just had to make the rough decision here. And I'm sure blue Jay fans have got to be a bit concerned about what's going to be going on in the next few months. I think they overreacted quickly because if you look at their batting stats right now, they're actually top two in all of baseball. It's the Red Sox. Their, their team batting average is 260. The Blue Jays are one point behind that, 269. Now, their on-base percentage is 325, which is better than Boston, by the way. And their slugging percentage is also better than Boston with 431. So, but the big question is, what is their pitching like? And I think that's part of where a disconnection is because they're actually like in the mid pack. And this is a potential uh, team that is going to the postseason. If you look at the standings right now and you look at this wild card standings right now, they're still in that top. They're they're close enough in that position. Again, it's the top three and they're only they're tied right now with Seattle and Seattle would only have a better record because they're nine and one in the last 10 and they have. They're on a good winning streak right now. But, you know, like, to me, it feels like I wonder what the relationship was like with with management. And if he wasn't seeing eye to eye with management, I think that's something that we're not going to find out for a while. But that would be my skeptic, my skepticism. What was he what was the direction that the team wanted to go in? 
and the ownership wanted to go in and did they not see eye to eye because that right there is the the telling well if you don't see it this way you're done we are going by analytics we're going by this same story with joe girardi and the yankees the original even if the yankees in 2017 had gone to the world series the everyone the reports were it still would have made the job a lot harder to fire him, but he probably still would have been let go because they wanted to go an analytical way. Girardi goes by his gut way. So. Yeah. And right now that it, they did make this announcement and I think there's gonna be more details that's eventually revealed probably in the future, considering the story is still fairly young and there must have been something just going on behind the scenes that for this decision to be made at this point in the season, knowing that this is a season where the division is still up for grabs. The trade deadline hasn't even happened yet. And right now it just seems that the GM had enough with what the manager was trying to do. And somebody had to make that decision. And now it's another manager is out. And it's hard to believe that in this MLB season, we're already, we've already seen three, three managers let yeah. go. And of course, we could, we could have over, we could have at least two of those ball clubs possibly make it into the postseason. Like, my question is now I wonder which one, which coach is next. Is uh, the Detroit Tigers coach, uh, I can't remember his name, the former Astros coach now? Now, AJ Hinch. Yeah, AJ Hinch. I wonder if he's going to be next because he inherited a bad team, anyways. But even though they got Javier Baez and uh, Miguel Cabrera, it's still not enough for them in that central. And they're 37 and 52 right now. They're nine and a half back in the wild card. But I'm curious to see which coach is going to be next uh, and which teams are going to overreact early. Um, Because again, there's still what, two and a half, three months left of the season. We still got plenty of time. Why can't you just wait? And you and the other thing is you signed Montoyo till 2023, so he had at least another year left on his contract. Yeah, some guys just want to buy out of contracts sooner rather than later. That way, you don't have to pay him the entire money. And sometimes these contracts end up uh, just being a bad deal. And now for the Toronto Blue Jays, the Got to try and focus on keeping the fans' spirits up and mm-hmm. also at least making sure that they can get to the postseason this year, knowing that you have all this quality talent. And then at least, Stephen, uh, try, try and make sure you can even host some playoff games because this is going to be – it's going to be a three-game series set. Yep. And, I mean, so, some people are actually hoping they don't have to travel to, to Toronto because, you know, you have guys – out because of COVID reasons with the vaccine as uh, Boston had some guys missing because of the COVID vaccine. Even Philadelphia had about four guys having to sit out because they were not vaccinated. And then there was a report that said that Kansas city Royals had 10 guys not vaccinated. And as a result, they would not be able to travel with the team when they play against the blue Jays. So that right there would help if the blue Jays can get into the playoffs that would help them so much. And I think the Yankees are actually fully vaccinated, but that would be hilarious to watch. Hey, uh, this, these players can't play because they're not vaccinated. Hmm. Yeah. It's the whole story behind it. And then, I mean, COVID's made an impact on the sports in so many ways, and yet it continues to do so for the long-term future, especially when traveling across different borders. 
why you need to have your green card and your COVID card, apparently. Yep, got all your cards, driver's license, marriage license, uh, whatever you may need. <laughs> Social security, uh, yeah. passports, you know, the works. Uh, yeah. So we're going to switch gears to basketball. And according, and this is what I believe last two days that sources are telling Utah Jazz are now willing to listen to Donovan Mitchell trade scenarios. The Jazz general manager, Joe Zan- uh, Justin Zanuck, say the Jazz are now showing a willingness to listen to possible trade scenarios. Sources told ESPN on Tuesday, Mitchell is 25 years old. He's averaged 23, 23.9 points and four and a half assists per game during his five years career with the Jazz. He's also he's also been an All Star each of the last three seasons. He has four years and 134.9 million remaining on the maximum extension he signed during the 2020 off season. But the final season is a player option for 37.1 million. The fact that they got rid of they traded Rudy Gobert, and again, this is what a lot of teams are going to have to look into now. The asking price is going to be astronomical. And is it going to be worth it? I don't think Rudy Gobert was worth that many draft picks, but I'm not a GM. But I can't even imagine what the the trade is going to be like for Donovan Mitchell, what the trade asking price is going to be for Kyrie Irving, for Kevin Durant. It's it's going to be insane, and it's going to be sad to watch. Well, to look at the Utah Jazz, they certainly wanted to go after whoever was going to bring in the – most to offer for the Rudy Gobert trade. And Minnesota knew that they had to go out there and pretty much deal as much as they could without dealing their top players mm-hmm. like Carlin Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards so that they can at least, you know, keep a core group of guys and build a playoff team. And I think that's what the Timberwolves did with the right guys. And then now looking at the Donovan Mitchell news, I mean, at this point, this is just a sign that – Utah is going to a re- full rebuild. I mean, it's the Quinn Snyder move when he wasn't coming back as head coach. Gobert being gone. Mitchell uncertain about if he just even wants to stay. Utah is at this point seeing all the playoff failures of the past and would rather just rebuild this team knowing that it's not good enough to win a postseason series past the second round mm-hmm. and not good enough to get to the NBA Finals. And then you look at Donovan Mitchell's value and 2017, 2018, all-rookie team. And then you look at a three-time all-star within the last few years alone. And the guy who is averaging about 23.9 points per season, yeah. the guy who has always been there for Utah in those given moments. But right now, even what you've seen, I mean, hasn't played a full season more than, or even more than 70 games since – 2018, 2019. So, I mean, there's always the question of health and what he's able to do. Now, Utah is going to try and listen to whoever is going to be interested in where he wants to go. I'm sure Mitchell, if he really wants to be traded, then he wants a playoff team. He does not want to be on a rebuilding squad. I'm sure he wouldn't even want to go to, you know, Washington to go play alongside Bradley Beal or even Orlando, even though they got Bancaro as part of their draft. Another Duke guy going number one in the draft. And to see Donovan Mitchell team up with whoever uh, is interested out there. I know you will get to your uh, trade article in a minute, Mm -hmm. but I would imagine a team out there, not 
I would imagine somewhere in the East, that's where the Jazz would, would like to send him. Can yeah, you imagine yeah. if, you know, Philly would get the opportunity if, you know, it, it would feel like a good fit if Durant were never to go to Philadelphia? Because, I mean, why, why else would a Philadelphia pass on a guy like Donovan Mitchell? I mean, to, to, I mean to at least trying to fit in with Embiid and, and Harden, it would be quite interesting. Yeah, and I think if you think about it, also, here's an interesting fact. Utah has made the playoffs the past six seasons. It's also the longest current streak in the Western Conference. Hmm. Like, think about that for a second. Utah, Rudy Gobert, and and Donovan Mitchell have been in the postseason the last six years. Well, even a lot, not the turn, not at least them, but like, that's a great thing. And they've been the most consistent team in the Western Conference. And now you're going to blow it up. Danny Ainge, the CEO, of uh, the Jazz said Saturday, the season wasn't very much fun this year, and this draft wasn't fun. Free agency wasn't very much fun. You're over the tax, no draft picks, and our team loses in the first round. It wasn't fun for us. We want to be, we want it to be fun for our fans and our players, but we just haven't had much flexibility to do anything over the last over the last little while. So Danny Ainge is already recognizing this as the CEO of the Jazz. Dwayne Wade is also a big uh, part of this. And I wonder what he's going to say to Donovan Mitchell to be like, all right, what are you really looking for? And can you at least be part of this process? Because we feel like we have something here. But if you're not committed, then we need to be committed to someone else. Now, hopefully the Freddie Freeman doesn't come into play where I'm going to leave. And then, wait a minute, you guys didn't want me to leave? Oh, oh, crap. I don't want that to happen. <laughs> yeah, that would be very, very awful, especially knowing that Donovan Mitchell has been so good for uh, Utah and mm-hmm. one of its best players. And even bringing back uh, some uh, playoff opportunities. I mean, you got to think, there have been plenty of uh, – Jazz players to be proud about, but of course, I mean, you got to think like Stockton and Malone up top, but then got the young years of Gordon Hayward, but then I'm sure Donovan Mitchell at least fits in there somewhere within uh, solid Utah Jazz players to really uh, build this team. And But you mentioned Danny Ainge. He's always a guy uh, who knows how to build basketball teams. He, he did well with the Celtics during his time as uh, in charge of the player operations and now he's hoping to do the same in Utah. And you got smart people, I would think. Hopefully. And who's in charge here with the Utah in the Utah Jazz? They just need to at least try and figure out what they can do to attract some uh, some more stars if possible or even just build some different talent. So here's this other thing that's going around. And earlier on this week, KD says it, uh, that he wants out. And then obviously today, I think, Kyrie Irving said, oh, I don't really want to leave anymore. But it made everyone think that Durant's going to leave and actually get traded somewhere. And according to Yahoo Sports, according to Christian Winfield of the New York Daily News, he reported this four-team trade, which I think is absurd. But it would, it kind of makes sense. Um, and it, to me, it's just absurd because – it's showing that the NBA is a problem. And I'll get, I'll talk about this, that in a second, but here's the trade. The Nets would receive Donovan Mitchell, Bojan Bogdanovich from Utah, Mikhail Bridges from the Suns, Cameron Johnson from the Suns, and a 2023 first round pick from Indiana via Boston. The Suns would receive Kevin Durant, 
and Miles Turner. Uh, Miles Turner from Indiana, Kevin Durant from Brooklyn. The Jazz, I think, would receive probably the the best of this. Well, I think the Nets would receive a lot more, but I think the Jazz would receive a lot as well. Uh, Joe Harris, Ben Simmons from Brooklyn, Cam Thomas from Brooklyn, Buddy Heald from Indiana, 2023, 2025, and 2027 unprotected first-round picks from Phoenix, top five protected pick from 2029, first-round pick from Phoenix, and a 2026, 2028 first-round pick swap. That's what the Utah Jazz would receive. And Danny Ainge was talking to like, hey, we don't really have many trades or many um, um, draft picks. Well, there you go. You would get a crap ton. And the Pacers, they would receive DeAndre Aiden and Mike Connolly because DeAndre Aiden would sign a, uh, a contract and then his trade on top of that. And Mike Connolly, who unfortunately has is a good uh, point guard. He's been a very underrated point guard and has been in the top five of point guards for the last 10 years at least, but he's been forgotten. He would go to the Pacers. I think this is an absurd trade. (laughs) It is very absurd and unfortunately highly unlikely considering the circumstances of the superstars who are involved, seeing how you have both Donovan Mitchell and Kevin Durant in a four-team trade. I mean – you look at it as ideal for Utah where you're, they would you're receive at, the best. They would receive the best. And also you, you got to think, what would they really get with Donovan Mitchell in return? I mean, you look true, at some, true. what some other teams wanted. I mean, you got to remember that Ben Simmons and the Sixers, the Sixers wanted like four first round picks for Ben Simmons. And at that point, I don't even know if you'd still get like at least maybe two for Donovan Mitchell. And I'm not even sure if some, some teams would even give up like three players in return for Donovan Mitchell. You'd probably get like maybe one or two players for Donovan Mitchell yeah. because some yeah. people, some people just don't see that as a quality value in a trade, but that's why you've got to think everyone wants something like Brooklyn, st- Brooklyn wants stars. Uh, Indiana wants to offload some players, but they want DeAndre eight to build around Utah is wants the most knowing that, you know, this is full on rebuild and yep. they're okay yep. with, parting way with with players they'll just take draft picks and then phoenix is the one who of course is confident in the win right now mode and then that's why they'll be like okay yeah if it involves us getting kevin durant we'll take it and so it's a hypothetical trade you would see probably more of a three-team trade rather than a four-team trade in this scenario because there's always one team that's gonna back out yeah, it's probably going to back out of the deal. And it would probably be like Indiana or something. <laughs> yeah. And so this and one reason why I think this would be absurd is because think about the starting lineup. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Jay Crowder, and Miles Turner as Ooh. a starting five. That would be better to me than the, the Warriors starting lineup with Kevin Durant. However, you would basically be doing the same thing that you did in 2019, which is why – one of many reasons why I think the Warriors lost that series, they didn't have a bench. You would uh, take your starting five, but it's you wouldn't have a bench. Your draft assets and your uh, your depth would be would be gone. And pulling off this deal for Phoenix would would one of the most overloaded offense in all basketball. But it would it would just you would put a lot of effort into uh, Chris Paul who. Has also been hurt quite a bit. Jerry Crowder, he's been known to be hurt a little bit. Miles Turner has been known to be hurt. It just it wouldn't work. But this deal, 
And these players, obviously, it's an absurd trade, ideal uh, potential, but it's also showing the NBA is a problem. The NBA is a star problem right now. And it is Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving wanting to get out of these deals. They sign and they said, you know what? I think I'm going to do it. I think I want to be part of this. And then when the going got tough, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't really sign up for this. I, I just want to be smart. I'm going to be, I'm going to take the easy way to another championship. Let me go back to Golden State or let Kyrie, let me go to LA. At least I know I got LeBron. You, you guys can have Russell, right? It's no big deal. Too many players. You have given the NBA stars too much power. And this is what's going to happen. You get, and I hope, I thought the NBA would have learned from James Harden and the Houston Rockets situation. It apparently has not because now it's, it's, but it's happening again, but this time it's not just one star. It's multiple stars. It's Kyrie Irving. It's Kevin Durant. It's Donovan. I mean, Donovan Mitchell isn't really saying anything, but it's DeAndre Ayton. It's all these stars. You're giving them too much power, and this is what happens. It's like the whole high school. It's like when you're in high school and you're with this one person, like, hold on. They got that. Mm, I think I want that instead of you. I'm going to go over there. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and it makes you kind of feel like high school won't end. And this is the reason why they say high school doesn't end, because people are still acting like this. Hmm. Yeah. And for Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, you got to think this is now going into their fourth year in Brooklyn. And you're trying to think, what have we accomplished here? Year one, both of them were hurt and they didn't even go down to the bubble with that team. And they just ended up losing in the first round. And then. You look at the next run, they were at least uh, able to play fully healthy after, uh, you know, Kyrie having his issues with, uh, I think, the vaccine over the last, uh, you know, few seasons. Mm-hmm. And then they were able to go to the postseason. They beat Boston. Kyrie steps on lucky. <laughs> and then you have, uh, a, you have Brooklyn uh, just uh, one uh, three-pointer away, but yet Kevin Durant's foot was just too big. And he ended up stepping on that line. It was a two, forcing the tie rather than the winner. And they ended up losing it overtime to the Bucks. And then this next year, everything just did not go well. They slid down far and so hard that they ended up having to go into the playing game. And then you had to take on the Boston Celtics and a series that some people thought, you know, Boston could be in trouble. Nope. You got yep. swept out the door. And it was by the Celtics who were so happy to do that just to Kyrie Irving. But now four years have gone by since you signed with Brooklyn, and yet you're nowhere closer to the NBA Finals than you were with the Celtics. That's for Kyrie. And then Kevin Durant, it just has not worked out for him. And yet all he's doing is, you know, I may want out of this. I don't think this is fun anymore. And yeah. then even with yeah. Kyrie Irving, I mean, maybe he wants to go play with LeBron one last time, knowing that, you know, this is it. The last time we'll play with one of the greatest players of all time, because even some guys wanted to imagine, you know, it'd be great to play with Kobe. It would be great to play with Michael Jordan, you know, to be part of that team. And so that's why some guys could go to the Lakers. But yet there's still a possibility that some things may not change completely for Brooklyn, mainly because the asking price probably won't be there. Yeah. at least as much as what they want in return. They just want yeah. stars. They, they, they're they not concerned about uh, draft picks right now. They they want stars in return. They, they, they want guys that they can still compete to keep Brooklyn, at least in the playoff picture. 
Yeah, I mean, I I hope that Kyrie learned his lesson, but I feel like he also played his hand a little too much. Like, oh well, I'll go over there. Oh, that's what you're gonna give them. Hmm. I don't know if I want to now. Uh, yeah, you know, Brooklyn, you sound like a good idea. I'll, I'll stay. I'm good. Kevin and I are good. Just kidding, guys. Just kidding. Dodge that bullet. <laughs> oh man, but like. You sign these contracts, deal with it. And if you come toward, towards the end, then that's fine. But you still have like two or three years left on this contract. Stay with it. Stop trying to change things. Things are better over here. I want to go over there. Sound like a little kid. Yeah, the, Brooklyn. And yeah, that that's the problem where they felt that... Uh, but the entitlement and, you know, the superstar power in Brooklyn thought that it was going to bring, uh, you know, the prestige and glory playing in the big city. But now they realize, OK, well, it's not working out here. And Kyrie Irving just catching a lot of media attention. I mean, the fact is, is that both of these guys have, I think, been major center for negative media attention over the last few years. I mean, Durant, at least with. You know, his social media accounts and <laughs> the burners, how, how he's been. But then Kyrie Irving, I mean, you, you, you always look at, you know, Stephen A's reactions and yet he's always finding something to, you know, disagree with Kyrie Irving on. Yep. Uh, this is the song that never ends. And it goes on. That's what it honestly sounds like. Oh, yeah. man. I don't know if there's anything else that we have to talk about today. Do you have anything else, Noah? Um, let's just quickly go over this NBA rules change, as yes, we mentioned before the show. Early. Yes. So, obviously, everyone knows about, you know, the idea of, like, the transition foul when, you know, the team who has clear the ball. Clear path foul. Yeah, clear path foul. You know, yep. you got a fast break chance to go to the hoop, you know, put up some more points. And recently in the NBA, we've started to see more of – Teams, you know, just like, okay, we're going to foul you just to slow you down. And that way the game does not get out of hand. Just, you mm-hmm. know, an intentional foul that just stop just trying to slow down the game. The NBA was not pleased with how that was being played out because it was changing the game and it was even slowing it down, I guess, in a sense, because, you know, everyone doesn't want, you know, the game to slow down, even though, let's face it, NBA reviews under two minutes take up like almost an extra half hour of the game by itself. But yet they're planning to change uh, the rules in regard to that sort of foul. Now, if that foul does occur within the regular part of the game, mm-hmm. then that a team can be awarded the possession, but also one free throw. But then the one thing about this rule is that it's only during uh, – like at least not during the final minutes of a game, whether you, you can pretty much uh, it will just be like a common foul. If it is during the last two minutes of the fourth quarter or overtime. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like they're trying to, when you're on, when you have the clear path, no, no, we don't want you to do this. This is what you're going to do instead, which is going to be very difficult for a lot of teams to get used to now because for years, We've been so used to the clear path foul, like, oh, okay, whatever. They're just slowing down the game. It's not a big deal. Now, it is a big deal. Well, yeah, they, they want the, the pace of play going, and then they want, you know, just uh, the, 
at least less stoppage of play and keep the, the clock rolling. That way it just doesn't stop and go, stop and go, stop and go, especially messing with, uh, you know, momentum being a part of uh, a given game with basketball. Just mm-hmm. the fact that if one team's on fire, then they, they could at least still go out and try and uh, win the game. And then even like some other fouls, I mean, another one, which is, uh, you know, like uh, the, I think it's within like the offensive, like uh, uh, shooting motion mm-hmm. foul. Basically, it's like, OK, what is officially like a shot toward the basket to qualify for those two free throws rather yeah. than, OK, you know, it's like, foul. oh, yep, there's a shot. <laughs> yep, yep, there's a shot. Or like going into like the defender. Yeah, yeah or, leaning in like that. Yeah. I always hated that. That's so stupid. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like, I mean, I didn't like it when Steph Curry did it uh, in the NBA Finals because I saw him do that. And, I mean, that's one thing I didn't like about Steph Curry. But at the same time, everyone's doing it. That's just a problem. It's like it's part of the sport. <laughs> you know who used to always do it a lot, though? Who? Paul Pierce. Uh, <laughs> yes. I remember watching him like, oh, my goodness. And the guy would literally just stand there like this. And, by like, they would look for it. They would, he would seriously like, oh, I'm still leading. Oh, oh, I shot it. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, the truth doesn't deny it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and he got away with it. So can't, can't be mad about that. All right. So I believe you have this day in history, this day in sports history. Oh, I thought I did. I thought I did this day in sports history last week. Did I? Did you? Shoot. I think I. Because I thought you had, because I thought you had quoted the day last week. I might have. <laughs> Let me get this up then. This day in sports history. See, normally we talk about this stuff already, yeah. but we didn't really talk that much. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Thirteenth. There we go. All right. So I got this day in sports history, which I will do happily. Kind yes, of actually helps me not find. A quote of the day. All right. I was trying to find one when you were talking earlier. I'm not going to lie. And I'm like, thank goodness. Okay. <laughs> so in this there day, made it easier. <laughs> yeah, I know <laughs> it's easier now in this day on this day in sports history. Bleh, words are hard. 1926 Pavo Nermi runs world record 3000 meter at, it looks like eight minutes and 20 seconds. He three thousand meters in eight minutes. Yeah, that's a that is quick. Runner was nicknamed the Flying Finn. And I I just can't even get past. Uh, I I don't think I could even do sixteen hundred meters in like uh, less than a half hour. <laughs> I can't even run anymore. So <laughs> maybe even under forty minutes, at least sixteen hundred meters. Maybe longer than that. <laughs> that's too much. This day in sports history, which brings back our uh, question of the day, Babe Ruth hits his 700th career home run against Detroit. And he Uh, spent how much to get the ball back, Noah? $20. There you go. He did it. Although we have already marked it on the whiteboard. Yes, I know. 1950, doctors removed seven bone fragments from Ted Williams' elbow. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's gross. Not going to lie. Uh, ooh, Arnold Palmer. Here we go. 
1962 British Open Men's Golf Royal Troon. Arnold Palmer wins his second consecutive Open, six strokes clear of runner-up Cal Nagel of Australia. Arnie Palmer alert. Arnie Palmer alert. Yeah, I think isn't the I think the British Open is actually supposed to be this weekend. I think yep starts tomorrow. Uh, Tiger starts at around two o'clock. Rory McIlroy starts around five o'clock in the morning. Or no, Tiger's nine a.m. Rory's about five thirty in the morning. Well, yeah, the time difference. <laughs> yeah, weird. Nineteen eighty-five New York Yankees retire Roger Maris and Elson Elston Howard uniform, and Elston Howard also wore number thirty-two. So it's the first non-single digit uh jersey that was retired <laughs> interesting for the new york yankees yeah well if you think about it no one in the yankees can really wear or retire a single single digit uh jersey because they're mostly all retired pretty much yeah that's why you see all these yankee players wearing like 72 or like 99 yeah nope. judges 99 Oh, this is a great one. Oh, man, there's a lot of good things that happened today. I'm glad I got on the on stay in sports history. 1994, Tanya Harding's ex-husband, Jeff Gillooly, sentenced to two years in prison for attack on American Olympic figure skater Nancy Kerrigan. If you don't know uh, the yeah. whole story, they did a movie about this, I, Tanya, on Hulu. Uh, it is fantastic. And she is crazy. Yeah, they they did a whole thing on this. Uh, they they even did a one. I think a thirty for thirty. I'm not sure if it was called like the Price of Gold or something. Something like uh, that. Yeah, yeah. But they they followed the whole situation. But wow, yeah, what yep. a historical day. 1999, 70th All Star Baseball game in the American League. They won. Do you remember where they won it at? Although you this is 90, before you. You said 99, right? Yep. Is that Fenway Park? It was four to one. The American League won. Pedro, I believe, struck out the side in that game. Yeah, uh, and and yeah, and the fun fact about that game was uh, the fact that they got to host it, and they had all the Hall of Famers there: Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, and all the others. And they even had Ted Williams throw out yep, the first yep. pitch. He rode out in a, uh, in, in a in a cart there, and he got to shake of hands with uh, all the great players in that All Star game: Tony Gwynn. And then others like Mark McGuire at the time that were part of the game. Yep, a lot of lot of baseball All Star game stuff because this is normally when the All Star ha- All Star game happens. Two thousand four, the seventy fifth All Star baseball game was played. The AL won nine to four at Minute Maid Park in Houston. Twenty ten, this is a sad one too, by the way. So the eighty first All Star game happened. NL won three to one at Angel Stadium in Anaheim, but it was also the same day the broadcast the uh, the voice of the Yankees passed away. Um, for then, and I can't, uh, Bob Shepard was his name, and he unfortunately passed away. He was really old, but he was such a wonderful man. And he they get they voiced or they nicknamed him the voice of God because if you ever hear him, he's very distinct with how he says things. Uh, and that's why, like, Jeter is always remembered for that. Number two, Derek Jeter, number two. And it's just one of those voices that you'll never forget, especially as a Yankee fan. Um, they, they have someone now, but he's not as memorable as Bob, as Bob Shepard, the, the voice of God. And also, ironically, I think George Steinbrenner passed away early, later on this week, uh, about 12 years ago as well. 
Yeah, they happened roughly right around the same time during the summer of uh, 2010. Two Yankee legends. Yep. And last but not least, 2021, 91st MLB All-Star Game at Coors Field, Denver, Colorado. American League beat the National League 5-2 for their eighth consecutive victory. And that is your On This Day in Sports History brought to you by OnThisDay.com. So we now have the. All right. So now I'll. uh, (laughs) I think we're on a delay right now. That's all right. Yeah, it's uh, lagging over here. I figured. That's that's yeah. Yeah, there's a bit of a lag. Yeah, Zoom works that way. So here's a a quote from uh, this one. Actually, came from uh, Parade.com, and this one comes from uh, one of the most brilliant minds on uh, this planet. Albert Einstein, and he said this, life is like riding a bicycle. To keep your balance, you must keep moving. And sometimes, you know, it's like uh, it, the, in life, you got to find your balance with work, your friends, your family, and what you got to do in order to at least, you know, so just at least keep things going. And then also, um, just to, to keep that mindset because mindset is important and ultimately at least in order to accomplish those goals you just got to keep to find that balance and moving forward and once again I'll read it it's life is like riding a bicycle to keep your balance you must keep moving and that was by the great mind of Albert Einstein and that was from parade.com all right good quote by Albert Einstein all right no before we go do we want to do another bet about the Red Sox Yankees since they're playing this weekend, should we do it? Uh, why not? It was it was fun, you know. You and me texting back and forth about the series. So, all right, because it is a three game series. Yeah, we we have to pick a we have to pick a winner. Yeah, what is your uh, prediction, Noah? Do let you think it's who, a sweep? <laughs> let me just see who's pitching if they have at least some sort some of that available because last time I didn't even bother to look at the pitchers it was going. Right now it looks like it's all TBD and is that it really help me at all? <laughs> yeah, at least at least according to the MLB app, so that doesn't help. But seeing how uh man I, I'm going to be ruined for my Red Sox, but I just don't know if we're going to be able to pull it off in Yankee Stadium this weekend. Let's see. I'm going to go on ESPN.com real quick. I'm going to see if they have the uh, the pitchers up for this weekend. Again, I, I know Garrett Cole is probably not going to be pitching because he's in the All-Star game, but I don't think he's going to be starting. So maybe he will. Yeah, Mr. I think Cortez he might be starting on – he might be pitching on Sunday. I think that's the reason why. Yeah, so – Let's see. Yeah, so obviously, hmm, it's it's loading. Gotta love internet sometimes because you know we can't have what we want. <laughs> All right, schedule. I want to know this. There we go. Should have already had this up, but you know these things happen. Um, gotta love technology. Gotta love life. All right, so Friday. According to ESPN.com, the starting pitchers are, if it lo- if, by that time when you say that, it's supposed to load. Uh, it looks like, oh, ooh, okay. uh, it's undecided versus Jordan Montgomery. <laughs> yeah. And for the Yankees on Saturday and Sunday or Saturday, 
The Red Sox is. It looks like under. Oh, Chris Sale versus Garrett Cole on Saturday. Or no, it's Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. Okay. So Saturday is. Where are you? Where are you? There you are. Nick Pavetta versus Jamison Talion. Hmm. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think this is going to be a tough series, and I think the Yankees are going to take two out of three. What? Yeah. Oh. All right. Oh, see. Mm. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to go big. I'm going to go sweep for the Yankees. So you're, say- so you're saying Yankees get sweep in New York? They sweep the Red Sox in New York. Okay. Just to remember and remind the Red Sox who they are. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, I'm excited for that uh, sale and uh, coal game. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for something out of Boston. But, again, it's tough always playing at Yankee Stadium because, you know, it's loud. You got Yankee fans all riled up. And, I mean, it's always tough for some of these guys. I mean, I remember, like, David Price during the regular season could not pitch <laughs> – in the regular season in New York, he struggled like real bad. But, yeah, yeah, that game that we went to, uh, he actually started and he gave two home runs to Aaron Hicks. Yeah, it, it was just ridiculous. And then also to mention Josh Donaldson, he was uh, tearing it up in the first two games for the New York Yankees. Hopefully his uh, bat stays hot. Uh, this this episode is brought to you by Alpine Unlimited Company. Their mission is to provide high quality, comfortable, and stylish clothing for a community of people who love nature and enjoy spending their time in the great outdoors. You can check out their designs at alpineunlimitedco.com. And if you use code ERIC10, you can receive 10% off your entire order. Again, that is alpineunlimitedco.com and use code ERIC10 to receive 10% off. We'll be back next week for Noah Pegler, Eric Miller, and uh, we'll have some more all-star game stuff to talk about. And I don't know, probably some more NBA stories because, you know, the NBA players are just whiny babies. But we like to talk about them, so it's okay. (laughs) Yeah. So for Noah Pegler, Eric, I'm Eric Miller. Thank you again for joining us in the Midday Man of Sport podcast. We'll see you next time. And until next time. 